Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to Amplified. Wow, it has been a flurry of events across the U.S. We uh, were in Las Vegas for the Women Expo Forum, and wow, what a collection of inspirational speakers, and they even let men come to this forum, which I was very excited about because there's nothing like empowering women and being partners with them. So that was an amazing event in Los Angeles. Thank you very much to my strategic partner, Andrea Adams-Miller, because uh, the Red Carpet Connection did make that connection to us, and we were able to have the Q Smiling movement not only hit that event, but be em- embraced by that event. We had so many people asking how they could bring it to their hometown, so probably one of the bigger success stories. And so many people had already seen the Key Smiling uh, card, and when Andrea did her presentation, people wanted to do testimonials of how much it changed their life, how much their picture changed their life. In fact, people said the picture was seen by people, and they made business connections, so I could go on and on. That was just an amazing experience. And then after that, we went to San Francisco. I'll let Andrea talk about that. And, of course, uh, then we went to Houston. So, Andrea, how about that tour? I will. And, you know, Ken, we travel so many places all over the world. Uh, the Women's Economic Forum in Los Angeles with Dee Dee Wong was the highlight of the whole uh, weekend with, uh, you know, uh, gosh, 30, 40, 50 different speakers, all uh, relationship uh, speaking from the stage with content and amazing things. So it was a beautiful event with uh, the most talented, gifted audience. That was one of the best audiences that I've ever seen in so many of the events that we've covered um, over the last four years that we've been attending different things. Uh, I'm really excited about, um, looks like we have an open invitation for us to go to India for the Women's Economic Forum over there. We're, they're in New Delhi in the spring, so it'll be super exciting for all of us. And then, of course, being with Carla Sakira at um, and uh, Glenn Diesel in San Francisco on Sunday. It was super amazing. They have this great <laughs> group of people that are coming in and are looking to forward to masterminding at a deeper level with Carlos and Glenn about how they can really maximize their businesses and take them and, and work with top-notch audiences and top-notch people and uh, do that at uh, a level that's higher than most people are willing to play when they start out. So it's a nice, really great challenge for everyone. And again, now being here in Houston with Ernesto Verdugo and beating in America. It's absolutely uh, super fun. So we're going to have a whole worry of events, a worry, I don't know, whirlwind, that's a better word, of events this week uh, with Ernesto. We're going to be going out to the Ball Diamond and having people on the Jumbotron to having 250 people come, people come together for a networking meeting to finishing the pictures up here. So we're uh, just getting started there with Ernesto and have a full week ahead of us. Well, congratulations on your award that you received at the Women's Economic Forum. If you would be so kind as to share what that award was and what it meant to you. Well, uh, thank you, Ken. Uh, we've been traveling so much, I actually forgot that I had received it. Uh, yes, I, I'm... I, you know what? I it actually makes me want to uh, get tear up again. Um, it's uh, it, I was recognized as a woman of excellence, and uh, for uh, standing up and uh, for uh, being a, a giver, a, a servant, a, a 
gold-hearted person and and uh, really reaching out and always striving to do more and be more. When Dee Dee told me that she had uh, nominated me for the award and then afterwards, you know, having her tell me that she just really saw so much light and love for me and how I love the world and how she really wanted to help foster me to uh, be even bigger than I was already playing already. And I just I couldn't be prouder, and I'm just so excited for my children to be able to see their mom recognized because I've I've won awards in the past, the Young Leader of the Year, Woman of the Year, but it's been a couple of years since I've gotten a really big award like this, and and it's really nice to know that I'm still in my you know still in the game. Uh, thank you, Ken. You're welcome, and I guess just to close that out, uh, Dee Dee was not alone doing this event. If you, since you are on their team, if you'd like to just mention a couple of their amazing women that were on her team. Oh yeah, um, um, Mamie Lamely uh, was a huge force in this whole event. She's a gorgeous woman who's got such a beautiful, huge heart. Uh, she was a huge supporter. And then um, Nicole Dozier and Marty, I don't know Marty's last name, who was helping Didi all along as part of her staff and, and everything that they were doing to make this work. And then the other amazing speakers, um, Dr. Sonia, I can't remember her last name. Lynn Rose was the MC. Dave Van Hoos was speaking. Uh, we had, oh, uh, Siddiqui. I don't know Siddiqui's last name. She's this gorgeous woman who's traveled all over the world and photographed the Dalai Lama 15 times, I think she said. Um, she was also a recipient of the award. So what a great uh, pleasure to be uh, stand next to these women um, and, be, and be able to be honored. Yeah, I was, I think we're missing someone. Uh, the, the doctor, um, they were, that started the Women's Economic Forum. Oh, Dr. Hmm. Harbin. Oh, my gosh. How did I even forget her? Um, I had the pleasure of meeting her on the phone and having conversations with her prior to this event and being part of the team to get this going. And Dr. Harbin is not only a, a, a gorgeous woman and her spirit and light and how her desire to have things happening in the world with her team in New Delhi. Uh, they are doing events in multiple countries internationally, and their vision for 2022 is to bring one million people together to enrich the world and to not only have a great economy, but to create peace. And I can't wait to be a part of that. Well, speaking of powerful women, we have our first guest who we met at the uh, Habitude Warriors in Houston, and she is not just magical, she's powerful, she's just absolutely beautiful, and she wowed the crowd. Everyone had their phones are on Facebook Live. It was just a flurry of Facebook Live um, testimonials of what kind of magic she was doing on stage. So if you'll uh, give a nice welcome to her. Well, yeah, talk about a magical, beautiful woman. Luna Shimada. Luna Shimada. Oh, my gosh, she's so gorgeous. Her light. I had the pleasure of spending time alone with her and really getting to know her as a friend now. She's been performing in top venues across the world, from Europe to Japan to America and everywhere in between, and in the showrooms of Vegas as well. She's also the recipient of the prestigious... World Magic Award and Best Female Magician, which aired nationwide on Primetime Fox Network. She's a philosopher and a teacher of magic, and her many talents encompass writing, dance, performance, art, and motivational speaking and motivational word poetry. I mean, she is just theatrics on stage, and she just comes alive. She began her career at the age of 12 years old, which is so cool, and spent 30 years honing her craft and, and now teaching it to other people. And she's recognized in the world of magic as 
one of the best female magicians of our time. It's uh, you just wait till you hear her story. She has paved the way for many women to follow her, and she has this own distinctive, sexy style of performance magic that's unique and dramatic, sensual, and thought-provoking. So please, everyone, stand up wherever you are. This wonderful woman, according to Rolling Stone, is just rocking the world, and she's going to rock us here today as a wonderful Renaissance woman of our day. Luna Shimada. Hey. Wow, that was quite an intro. <laughs> thank you. Well deserved, Luna. Uh, well uh, deserved. No, thank you. No, it's my pleasure to be here. You know, it's interesting. I have two quick comments. One is that uh, your intro start, has the word renaissance in it, and I was just introduced uh, last week uh, before I went on stage as a renaissance man, and I, I chose that word because it, it has a lot of means to me. What does it mean to you? Oh, um, my gosh. I, I think the word is very colorful, doesn't it? When people hear it, it conjures up images of um, of, of time gone by. But um, I, I, I like to think that the Renaissance is sort of a representation of, of the best of times and uh, a time of creativity and um, free expression and love and connection and... Um, and and so yeah, I, I try to really embody all of those those feelings and qualities, you know. So, I do. Like a kaleidoscope. Do you ever feel happy when you look in a kaleidoscope? Heck yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the Renaissance so. is uh, is re re uh, in- innovating and reengineering and causing new yes. things to happen. It's arts and sciences played together, and the reason it I is. brought that up first is because your music really evokes that feeling, that mood of innovation and the arts mm. and sciences playing together. Your music was fantastic during that performance. Love ah, you thank you. Well, yeah, we, um, go ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, well, no, you go ahead, because I'm going to ask you another question. So you oh, go ahead. yeah. No, you were talking about music, and um, yeah, I think that music is just one of those things uh, all throughout humanity that we just, we can't live without, you know? It's, I agree. It's, it's 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 like the air that we breathe and the food that we eat. Um, it uh, it is music for the soul. Music is is food for the soul. It is. And um, <laughs> from a you know from a very you know from the time that I took the stage, I have always been absolutely adamant about performing to pieces of music that touch my soul, that evoke some sort of emotion or atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my field as a magic, as a magician, magic performer, um, that's not always the case with a lot of typical, you know, performers in my field. Um, so I, I kind of broke that mold very early in the in the mid '90s when I took the stage the first time as a solo female magician. Because up to that point, I had been performing with other magicians and partnerships and assisting and and all that stuff. And I broke away from all that to um, to do something that the, a lot of women at that time were not doing, which was becoming, you know, the magician themselves, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And it was met with a lot of anticipation and curiosity, but surprisingly a lot of opposition as well when they realized that I wasn't going to step out on stage in a sexy gown or a leotard or a G-string and move around a bunch of sexy props. Yeah. Mm, right. And, uh, you know, at that time, Cirque du Soleil was hitting the scene really big and everyone was performing to like music from Cirque du Soleil. And there was a, a, an unspoken rule that if you're a magician on stage, you have to perform to magic that is primarily instrumental. 
right? No lyrics right. in the in the music whatsoever. And I broke that rule, you know, and I exploded onto this stage in 1995 with a very rock and roll, gothic, witchy type of act and performing to music by Jeff Beck, by uh, rock groups like Yes and Rush and... Um, um, you know, very, you know, progressive rock music, because uh, that was what was exciting for me at that time. And <laughs> it was really quite shocking, you know, for the audiences back then. Um, not received, really, in the way that I expected it to be. But uh, now it's just become the norm, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm always trying to get ahead of myself. The minute something becomes popular, I try to... Um, redefine it and uh, move to the next thing that uh, is going to evoke something meaningful for me. Well, normally I, I am not fortunate enough to actually experience someone's brilliance and talent like uh, yours before they get on the sh- uh, our radio show. So I was very thankful, and that's why that question had to be asked. But let's talk about your story. What actually caused you to be who you are now, and when was it in your life that you realized that this was going to be your life? Um, I think that it, it wasn't something I realized was going to be my life. I was uh, uh, fortunate, fortunate and unfortunate. It's a double-edged sword uh, to be born in a show business family. And my father is a, a famous magician named Shimada from Japan, one of the most famous magicians to come out of Japan, let's say. Um, mostly well-known within the magic circles and people who watched a lot of television in the 70s. <laughs> mm. um, but um, he was sort of, he's a legend in magic now, and he's, he's like the guy that inspired all the contemporaries that are famous today, you can say. And... Having such a uh, a father like that and, and being kind of born into an industry like this, um, naturally as a child, it just seemed like normal. And I took the magic, the whole magic thing for granted. But I did grow up in theater. I grew up in cabarets. I grew up, you know, uh, traveling all over the world in different countries. And uh, one of the things that I always loved or noticed about being in the theater and being around performers is is the passion and the artistry, the creativity, the dedication that these artists had for their work, you know, that it didn't seem like a job at all. It was just something that, that people are just moved into doing because it's, it's just, it's a way of life more than just a job, right? Totally. And I knew from an early age that that was going to be my path as well, that I was going to be a performer no matter what. I had the bug, and I took every opportunity from the time I was a small child to get up on stage, even if it was in a nightclub, you know, uh, during a band session. I'd jump up there with maracas and start shaking the maracas, and the owner would be freaking out. He'd be like, your three-year-old child is up on the stage with the band. We need to get her down quick. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's in my blood, I guess. That's cool. Uh, well, I know that's that, something that I would have, yeah, chosen though right off the bat. It's something that just kind of developed in me. Well, I know yeah. you and Andrea have a lot in common, so I, I would, uh, I, I want to be, I guess, fair because she's probably just mm-hmm. dying to ask you some questions. So, Andrea, do you have a question you'd like to ask? 
Oh, I do because you know, Luna, uh, Luna. Yes. You know, when you when you had come up with the different techniques of how you're going to do things, I know that you're thinking very much about how women need to take a stand to be very positive about what they do in the world. And I know that yes. you're very um, deliberate in how women show up. So, will you share with Ken and I in the audience about how you're pulling across that strength from your dad, but keeping that femininity into it? Yes. Well, it, it was. Definitely a process. I mean, I, I, my life's journey and my quest for magic in all of its forms, you know, really, that's really where it began. Because I looked around me uh, in the world that I was growing up in, and I realized that there were no women on stage doing magic. And even my own father was discouraging me away from it. You know, when I told him, I want to be a magician, he says, women don't make good magicians. And... You know, and it really hurt my feelings because I, I didn't, you know, I took that as, what, well, we're not good enough, or what, what does that mean? Of course, him being Japanese and coming from a culture where they view women as somewhat subservient, right? Um, right. It's understandable that, you know, it's also a cultural view, but um, I endeavored to pursue this career um, in spite of um, opposition, no, I thought, well, if nobody's done it or if there's not a lot of women around doing it, then maybe it's time that changes. So uh, that was the beginning of me really pushing and swimming against the stream, so to speak, because there was an awful lot of pushback on this. And, uh, and then suddenly there was a lot of support, but it was the wrong kind of support. You know, got no into a lot of circles with a lot of um, magicians, male magicians, all male mostly, uh, full of advice and wanting to mentor and wanting to mold and, uh, and guide and direct, but it was all the wrong information. It was all the wrong type of guidance. It was, you need to be more sexy. You need to dress like this, or, or you know, you need to do these kind of tricks. And I had already come in with a very strong skill set. I had been raised in magic. I had learned and developed my own skill set that was comparable and competitive to what some of the top, top magicians in the field were doing, right? So I didn't need to do, you know, magic shop, magic tricks that were all self-working and easy. And yet everyone assumed that that was what I needed to do because I was a woman. Therefore, I couldn't possibly have skills. <laughs> so, um, I have, you know, it has been a journey for me. It really has because I was trying to enter the field as a man competing with men by denying my femininity at first, developing a very androgynous character until I started spending time with my mentor, Channing Pollock, who was also a magician um, from the 1960s. He, he turned into a movie star and later on became a spiritual guru and, and a great influence and mentor of my life. And he circulated with the... Um, you know, with the Hollywood crowd, being a being an actor and a performer, and he also spent a lot of time with people like McKenna and um, um, Timothy Leary. I happened to be fortunate on one of my visits to his home when Timothy Leary was there, and uh, he said, so what do you do? What are you working on? And I explained it to him, and he looked at me, and he said that, um, wow, so you're dressed like a man, you perform like a man, uh, are you trying to be a man? And I'm like, well, isn't that what it's going to take for me to be taken seriously? And I was about 24, 5 at the time. And he said, well, you, um, 
you know, I think that women who try to be like men have small ambitions. Hmm. And, and it was at that moment that I realized, wow, I really have a lot to learn about, you know, where I'm going and what I'm doing with my power, right? Right. And um, so that kind of took me on a whole other path to learn more about magic, to learn. Then I started learning more about, you know, about matriarchs. I started learning about goddesses. I started, I tried, I wanted to look back in history, go back in time to look at all the female powerful archetypes, you see. And it began to develop within me as a, mytho- as a mythos. I realized I have to create my own mythos, right? A storyline, something that I represent, something, a, a message that is much bigger than just the little magic tricks that I'm doing in my show. You know, I was thinking too small. I was thinking that I had to go out and prove myself and, 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 and be as good as the men to make my father proud, all these things. It was, it was very small thinking, small-minded thinking. There was something much bigger um, that was being developed and created. As I began to create my show, all these objects that I was attracted to that came to me subconsciously through visioning and dreaming and just manipulating and moving things through my hands, you know, it all started to kind of create itself. And I realized at a certain point that all the objects in my show had a spherical, like, round kind of shape to them, which is the shape of the feminine, right? Right. So I was working with the powers of the sacred feminine energy, and that was what was developing. And what I, and then I realized that I was producing these big parasols in my act, which have very, you know, which are very large, very round, and I started putting planets and, 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 and images on them, and the whole act started to become a creation myth. A story of, you know, goddess coming through the void of darkness with fire and then creating the planets and creating the worlds and creating the cosmos. And going back to mythology and going back to, you know, all the, the, the ancient stories, that's where I found the beauty and that's where I found the real magic. And I was able to pull that into what I was doing, and I realized that magic, you know, me performing magic has never been about performing magic tricks or being, you know, mystifying or fooling people or that, that there's a story here. There's a story that has, that, that needs to be seen and heard and felt in the soul and in the heart, and hopefully that will invoke conversation about women and our the role, the very important role that we are playing right now on the planet, you know? I do. And we started as a matriarchal, we started as a matriarchal, um, uh, a matriarch, and then patriarchy kind of took over, and all things in history, you know, move and ebb and flow in time. But, um, but it is definitely a time for, you know, a partnership and a balance of those two uh, elements. And my mentor said it's the women that are holding the planet together right now. They're the glue that is holding the world together right now. Well, that was and certainly our evident. time is coming. That was, yeah. cer- that was that was certainly evident at the women's ex, uh, yes, um, exactly. economic forum. And, uh, and I was actually thinking you should have been at that yeah. event. I didn't. I would have loved to. I didn't know. Yeah, that. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make sure that you're in the in the next one. In fact, with how extraordinary you are, yes. I'm sure that you would uh, really oh, thank you. gain a lot of support here. 
I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. uh, what was your favorite thing about the Habitude Warrior event in Houston? Um, it was just wonderfully inspiring to be around inspiring people. Um, there was, I loved every moment of it. I just, um, I had been looking for a long time for a community that I felt I could really thrive in. And, and that was, for me, you know, a, a, a kind of a, a catalyst. And it mm-hmm. all sort of happened because I've been working in the show business entertainment circles for such a long time. I've been working in the magic uh, community circles for such a long time and hitting my head on that glass ceiling for such a long time. And it's been very frustrating. You know, I went through major changes in the last couple of years with a divorce, with the death of my mom, lots and lots of reinvention going on in my life. Um, stepping out again after really taking a very long break from performing because I was very busy building my husband's company and raising a family, right? right so here right. I am finding myself a single mom with three young children and having to step back into that arena again and, and, and having the, 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 the game field completely changed. So I've had to acquire new skills, reestablish myself, uh, develop new skill sets, Right. And right. reinvent, you know, reinvent and reinvigorate my message. And so it's, it's a very exciting times. And, it, and it, so everything happens in its own time, they say. And in magic, we always say that when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And, um, and there it was. It, it happened for me uh, running into Eric Swanson at a very, very sort of synchronistic um, moment uh, here in Las Vegas, when I happened to walk into a Starbucks to use the restroom, and he happened to stop me <laughs> and uh, recognize me from a performance he saw me do at the Magic Castle the previous week. That's so okay. then uh, from there, I was invited to the Habitat Warrior Conference, and um, and I thought, finally, this is, I, I have been lone wolfing it out there for such a long time, you know, just kind of doing as much as I could on my own and, and really not knowing how to break in to, you know, to find the people that I needed to be connected to. And, uh, and so then it happened. And, um, you know, for the first time in my life, I felt like, okay, this is, this is, this is perfect. This is exactly where I need to be. And uh, I, I felt so at home. I felt so inspired. I felt so supported, you know, such a loving community um, stimulating conversations. Uh, nobody felt it didn't feel competitive. It didn't feel, you know, all the usual things that I have felt just trying to, to, um, well, you come lo- up in, in, the, in show business, you know, there's been lots of opposition. So it was really, um, such a wonderful experience for me and to see that it is possible for a collective, like-minded group of people that are both dedicated to the same cause, which is human potential, to work together as, you know, to uh, elevate each other and help each other move forward and carry our messages out there. So, yeah. We are going to go to break, and you are certainly fascinating, and I can't wait to see you at the next events. How can people connect with you, follow you, reach out to Um, you? Well, on Facebook, Luna Shimada. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram at Luna Shimada 88. You can find me on Twitter, Luna Magic 88. That is a magic with a, a CK, so it's L-U-N-A-M-A-G-I-C-K 88. 
And I also have a website, a brand new website, www.lunashamadamagic.com. That's so great. Well, we'll be back in a couple minutes and uh, really excited about our next guest who we met at the same exact location, same event. And it just goes to show you when you get out of your comfort zone, you go to events, you meet extraordinary people like the people on this show. Thank you very much. We'll be back. Wonderful. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. If you want to join the ranks of the influencers, you've got to think like an influencer. How about joining one of the top influencers in the world, Leonard Kim, for Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard and his guests discuss the topics that aspiring influencers need to know, from brand building to getting yourself published and growing your audience. There's a bunch of fun and even some twists involved to keep you on your toes. You just have to listen every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We don't follow, we lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at UmbrellaSyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Hello, this is Ken Rashan with Amplified. We are back after a really great first segment with Luna. And I forgot to even say our sponsors are Big Events USA, the Key Smiling Movement, and, of course, the Red Carpet Connection. So I am going to turn the microphone back over to Andrea so she can introduce our next guest. Thank you so much. I have the pleasure right now of introducing Tucker Bearden. Uh, Tucker is just a breath of fresh air. He's so adorable. He's a certified Ziegler Legacy Keynote speaker. He's an anxiety expert and an Asperger's advocate. He was born with a neurological abnormality that hinders his natural ability to understand social cues. And he's going to talk more about that in this uh, next uh, segment with us, um, the Asperger's. And he has gone through so many trials and tribulations. He's been bullied to the point of, of literally risking his life. And he's um, been in situations where he's been uh, in homelessness and uh, horrible situations, and yet this beautiful light shines through. So I want you all to give me a warm, loving, loving, loving ovation for Tucker Bearden, our new friend that we just adore. Howdy, how you doing? 
Well, Tucker, mm-hmm. I've been so excited about this interview. And uh, the first thing I want to, I know that you're, you know, Luna and you've had a reaction during the break. So uh, why don't you share what you were talking about in the, during the break? Oh, man. You know, I, I met Luna at the Habitat Warriors Conference uh, where I met both y'all. And, and uh, I've been a big fan of magic ever since I was a kid just because I'm, I'm one of them people that I ask why and I ask how every time I look at something. And magic was one of them things that a lot of people, whenever they make when they do magic tricks, it's about deception and it's about hiding what's really going on. Uh, but whenever I and that's why and that's why when I see magic, I break it down. I'm like, okay, all right, how is he doing this? How is he doing that? How is she doing this? And how is she doing that? But when I saw Luna, I was like, wow, this isn't about deception. This isn't about hiding what's going on. This is about telling the story. It was it was an emotional, uh, emotionally entangling experience that that drew me in, and I it, it caught what that caused was made to completely look past my normal view of magic, which is how are you making this happen? And it was what is this story all about? I loved it. Luna was amazing. And her her interview her y'all the interview y'all just did with her, she went deeper into her story than I had knew before. And I I have a completely new and and uh, bright admiration for her than I already did. Well, speaking of stories, you shared your story and I would like you to, to take the the time you need, uh, don't take the full 20 minutes, but if you could take like three to four minutes to share what you shared on stage because it caused such a connection to the audience, to you, and to you getting awarded and just the accolades. And of course, I after I heard what you did and how it just shifted the room, I wanted to have you tell the story in the Key Smiling book, which your chapter was submitted and is going to print. And for the holidays, we're going to have uh, Tucker's Keep smiling. Chapter inside the book. He's going to be the exclusive author, and I'm just so proud of you. You are. You have taken the the bull by the horns, and for a person bo- born in Boston to have an accent like yours, I mean, it's just crazy. Boston. You were born in Boston, Massachusetts, if I could recall, right? <laughs> no, I'm from Boston. I'm from Arkansas. What in the world are you talking about? <laughs> All right. I was just kidding. You. So uh, let's let's hear your story that you shared on stage that really got people very emotional and got them so connected to you that you, that you really became a hero of the event. Yeah, well, I really appreciate that, brother. I'll keep my short story short and simple, man. You know, I'm a practitioner of change. I was born with a neurological abnormality that hinders one's natural abilities to understand social cues as well as emotional responses known as Asperger's. Uh, I, throughout the, when I was a child, making friends was a daunting task that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Uh, throughout my life, I've been fired from over 20 different jobs for my lack of communication skills. You know, one of, one of which was that in an old broke down town just outside of nowhere, I uh, was bagging groceries and, 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 and the customers, they began flooding in, which sent me into the beginning stages of a panic attack. You know, as as my body hit the floor and uh, not so unfamiliar weight of an elephant landed on my chest, all I could hear over my own heartbeat was the disgruntled screams of the woman that had I had just been bagging groceries for. Why would y'all have a retard working for you? What's wrong with you people? 
Mm. Well, as you, as I'm sure you can tell, it lit a fire in my soul. So uh, a few about an hour or so later, after I was calmed down, my employer approached me with my final check. She said that you are disruptive and incapable of working around others. We can't use you. So it was a long walk home on that cold Friday morning. It was an even longer walk up the stairs of my home where I said my goodbyes in a letter and proceeded to hang myself from the second-story window. <laughs> well, we see how that turned out. <laughs> but, thankfully, the end of the rope was not the end of the story. Unfortunately, it happened several times, and I, uh, I, 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 I attempted suicide multiple times for multiple different reasons. But one of the one, the one of the times that that actually changed my life forever was I was I was invited to go to a party, and I don't like parties. I'm, <laughs> I'm not big on big crowds, ironically. Uh, but <laughs> it's but but anyway, they they invited me out there, and these there was these five boys that I didn't know very well, but they they was like, man, you want to see my new deer stand? I was like, heck yeah, man, I love hunting. They were like, all right. So we go way out in the woods, deep, deep in the woods. And uh, all of a sudden, I feel something pop me on the back of the head, and then my ears started ringing. And they told me I had five seconds to run. And, uh, oh, well, prior to that, they hit me in the back of the head, and they held me down, and they poured gasoline all over me. They poured it in my mouth. They, uh, they soaked me from head to toe. They said, you got five seconds to run. And I was like, what? What's going on? Because, I mean, I just got smacked in the head with what I'm assuming was a limb. And they they lit jumbo-sized Roman candles and started chasing me through the woods, telling me that I was going to burn. And I ran for almost 24 hours straight. Nonstop, they wouldn't let up. They just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And uh, I went home. That, I went home the next day. Wait, and I, when I woke up, I, I just I, I wished more than anything that one of those fireballs would have ignited the flame, because being burned alive cannot possibly hurt as much as knowing there isn't a single person on this planet that I can call my friend. But I went down to the creek after that because uh, I, I, I pulled out a 410 shotgun. I loaded it up. I put it in my mouth and pulled the trigger, and it didn't go off. I still keep that shell by my bed every night as a reminder. You know, I went down to the creek, and there's, there's uh, like four or five bald eagles that live down there. I love watching them fly. They're majestic. And I looked up, and I saw one jump off of its nest and take flight. And in that moment, my life changed forever. I knew, I, I saw it nest, and I was like, wow. The most beautiful things in this world are made up of tiny broken pieces brought together to do something great. And I, so, I, so, I, so I left there. I knew I had to make a change in my life, so I started working with thoroughbreds. And I, I was working seven days a week, 365 days a year. I didn't get a single day off for three years. I was making $179 a week, and while trying to find free movies on YouTube, I came across something known as TEDx. And deep within the catacombs of my spirit, I felt a, a, just this raging fire. And I was like, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I was put here for. And I, But I didn't know how to overcome this anxiety. But then I came across a quote by Zig Ziglar that said, you can have anything in this world that you want if you only help enough other people get 
what they want. So I started taking fifty dollars out of that hundred and seventy nine every week. I'd go out and I'd buy six five dollar hot and ready pizzas every day. I'd get on my raggedy, squeaky little bicycle with a with a with a bungee cord. I'd go around town, I'd give out these pizzas to homeless people and I'd say, Tell me your story, brother. Share some wisdom with me. And in that I learned that anxiety is in the mind. It was never in the diagnosis. Hmm. And I, I learned to overcome my challenges that way. And today, I stand before you a practitioner of change. That's so beautiful. That's so... <laughs> Tucker, that's that's really amazing. And your story by itself was enough for me to come and congratulate you and tell you that I wanted to get your story out in the world. But if you recall, the Umbrella Syndicate uh, started, gosh, eight years ago. And the first person that believed in me was a person who had Asperger's and one of his best friends had Asperger's and he became, I think, if not my second, my third person that believed in this vision of amplifying goodness and going out to events and getting the footage and the content on the social media and it going viral. And I have to say that I, I don't know if I would have been where I am now if it hadn't been for those two young men. And one of them became an author and they were both fantastic photographers. So I was I was very drawn to you because I, I, it, what a difference it makes to believe in people and give them a chance. And I was a, a, a victim of bullying too, so it's 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 such a disgrace that people think that that's going to make them stronger or that that is a behavior that they that they think would be acceptable. So I'm I'm sorry that happened to you, but obviously when that happened to you, you're a champion for making sure that you are fighting for people that are. Um, victims of it as well. How, how are you going about that? Uh, I share my message. I, I believe that if you have information capable of improving the lives of others, it's simply a raw act of selfishness to withhold that information from the world because you never know who needs to hear your message today and, and, and how it will impact them and in turn how they will impact others. See, this is called generational change. If you mm -hmm. can cause this, you create a ripple effect, a butterfly effect. Whatever you want to put on it, I call it change. And that is, that's, that's how I go about it. I speak to people. I share my story. And in turn, I connect with them and say, hey, tell me your story. And if I can share theirs or their impact with someone else, it creates a domino effect. And you, and you create change that lasts for years instead of a single moment. See, there's a difference between motivation and inspiration, there's no such thing as a motivational speaker because motivation by definition is the act of finding your motive, the act of finding your why. I can't tell you why you do what you do. No one can. But I can inspire you to find your motive. And if I can get you to find your motive, if I can help you locate your why, then that gives you an upper hand on changing the world. I agree. I agree. And I, I'll tell you what, Andrea was emphatic after uh, I shared with her that you were going to be doing a cute smiling book, that we are both going to champion that book and help you raise money with that book for uh, anything related to uh, victims of bullying, as well as uh, anything you can do to help homeless people. So I wanted to bring her in because I know she has a question or two. Andrea? Oh, Tucker, I was so blessed to hear you talking. 
I've, I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of people who have Asperger's, uh, both in the dating and relationship world. Um, and then I also wrote a book about uh, self-determination. So I'm, I'm, you know, with you being an advocate for it, can you tell me what your vision is um, in a, a, as a bigger future for people who have different abilities? Well, I believe, I believe that people, like, some people say I have Asperger's. I think I have a superpower. And I think, honestly, whether someone believes in evolution or creation, no matter what it is, humans are evolving in some way, shape, form, or fashion. We get, we change through the years. And I believe that though there are many people out there that have challenges that are detrimental, they, they'll be, they'll need help in their entire life. There are those of us out there who I honestly believe are the next step in human evolution and are put here to make a difference in the world in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Many of the greatest minds in history uh, were, were known to be Aspies or Asp, have Asperger's. And that is like Einstein and Nikola Tesla. The, the, these people were game changers. So I don't believe that it's a disability. I think it's an advantage. It has its challenges, but nothing in this world that's, worth, that's easy is worthwhile. I didn't know Tesla had Asperger's. Yes. They, they, if you see back then, there was no name for Asperger's. But if you look at all the records of Tesla and you go back and you place it together with his social interactions, the way he talked, the way he walked, the, th- the things that he said and, do- and did, he, ha- he was an Aspie. Everything that he did points towards being an Aspie. So they've put it in the records that him and, him and Einstein, as well as many other greats, were Aspies. That is, that's pretty cool. So what is the incident rate of Asperger's? Is it, It's increasing, as you stated, right? It, it is increasing. It's actually, it, it's, 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 it's going, autism in general, and, and I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go into the why behind why autism is, is uh, accelerating because then we'd have to get into politics and, and that's not cool. Uh, so, but, Autism is accelerating by, by like leaps and bounds. I know. A year. I know. I saw the it, numbers. It's it's really scary. It is. It is. And and here's the thing, it can be stopped, but it's not. I mean, it's we know why it's happening. And again, I'm not going to get into why. Well, we know Tucker, why. Tucker, can we uh, can <laughs> we go there without going political? So let's do the why and let's do the solution. Let's just let's just do it. No no politics okay. around. All right. Okay. Now, uh, all right. <laughs> I'm going to try to do this as as lightly as possible. <laughs> do it, brother. Do it, brother. The, you the, can do it. <laughs> the the vaccines that children are required to get before going to school, they are good. Okay, they help fight off specific diseases. There's no question. But when done in combination, there are specific things that happen within that child's body that can cause autism to trigger. I, I've, I've seen it many, many, many times, and, and the, the fact that it's happened millions of times, and the, the, uh, the head of the CDC said it herself on the news, on camera. She, they asked her, do, do the shots in combination cause uh, six signs of autism or autism? And she said yes. They are aware of it, but the fact is, when they, when they were asked, they said, well, 
cool, we know that it only happens when you do them all three at once. Why not separate them? They said that it would cause such a financial loss to the CDC that they refuse to separate the, uh, the shots. They want them all done at the same time. And that's the only time it happens. When the shots are separated, there's never a problem. But as soon as they're combined, all of a sudden our, our numbers are skyrocketing. And they're getting worse every single year. But, and uh, so that's why. That's why it happens. The only way to fix it, which I don't, honestly, I hate to say it, but I don't even think it's possible, uh, is to separate the shots. Get them, don't get them all on the same day. Separate them over time because it's the combination that kills, not, not the shot. And by the way, great job. You didn't go political. It, 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 and it's actually very logical what you said. It makes sense when you put variables together that are not supposed to be together. They have mixed reactions and cause things that were not predictable. So I, I, I have a background in science. And when we had our son, I was very aware of combining these vaccines and even just taking the vaccines alone really put a uh, real jolt to your immune system into your body and the reactions even by themselves can cause some pretty bad damage. So you have to be careful and do your research of what your child's getting a vaccine for and how necessary it is. And then as Tucker said, uh, the, the distance between each vaccine and then how, and never putting them together because your body's already getting jolted once. So Tucker, bravo on saying that and it was well said and, and needed to be said. That'd be a very big right, yeah. piece of the show. I appreciate it, man. And, and you know, here's the thing. I, I'm not going to go any farther into it, but I will say this. If the child is, if a child is subjected to the right environment, they're, they're given the right foods, not sodas, uh, uh, bad food that, that causes obesity, uh, sitting around people smoking cigarettes and, and family fighting, things like that. They won't even need the vaccines because when, when you are positively charged and eat the right foods, your body releases dopamine. Dopamine amps up your immune system, and it causes you. I don't ever get sick. Never, ever. <laughs> I don't go to a doctor. Why? It's not because I'm Iron Man. It's because I'm positive. I, I eat the right foods, and I stay around the right environment. So the environment, the foods, and the, and the people – are the cause of children getting sick. It's not just going to school and being around somebody that's sick. You have to shut down the immune system before a, a, a disease is going to break through. Yep, I totally agree. So um, you, when you were bullied, uh, obviously a lot of things happened. First of all, you, you pulled back, you pushed back from society, and, it, and you made some decisions that could have really taken you as a gift away from the world. But then the other thing you did was you learned how to defend yourself. I'd like you to talk about how much that changed your life and your confidence. Well, I, I believe that the the biggest change came to my mental state versus my physical. I, when I first got into, it was funny, when I first, when I first got into Taekwondo, uh, I, I took Taekwondo at first, and I, I made it high in the ranks, but I didn't like the art. Uh, my sensei was not a good man. And I ended up going from Taekwondo to Taekwondo to Jiu Jitsu, from Jiu Jitsu to, to Badu Gong, from Badu Gong to, to, to Ninjutsu. So 
in, in ninjutsu, I met my master. He was actually working on a breaker box, and somebody had told me that he taught martial arts. So I'm walking up to him, and he didn't even turn around to face me. I was like, I was like, are you, uh, are you, are you Ernest Bright? And he said, he said, yes, sir. I was like, do you, do you teach karate? He said, no. So I was like, oh, my, my bad. And I turned around to leave, and he turned around and he said, I teach ninjutsu. And I was like, all right, then. I don't know what this is, but I'm down. So <laughs> I ended up, I, I, I came in and I, we, I started learning from him, and it was a completely different art. It was true martial arts. But, but what was great is, I realized in that art, it's not about being strong physically. It's not about being fast. It's not about being limber. It's about your mindset. It's about how you think. See, a master acts. A fool reacts. That's and right. I, I was a fool. And well, that's how I, I, when I, learned, I learned to defend myself that in, in changing my mindset. Well, Tucker, I got to say, I want to I get you back on the show after we get a little more about the Keep Smiling campaign and how we're going to integrate what you did as a chapter and actually cause it to actually raise money. Because I want you to be a, a testament to how much you can change the world with a smile and actually sharing your story. We're going to go to rapid fire right now. But before we do, can you tell people how they can connect with you so that they can follow you? And you also your show. Yes, sir. You can, y'all can find me on Facebook. Uh, it's just Tucker Bearden. If you look up Tucker Bearden Inspiring the World, you can find me e- uh, really easy through that. You can also go to TuckerBearden.com. We have that. And I have a brand-new website that I just launched. Is it, is it? Can I share that? Yeah, please. I would love that. In fact, I want to be on your show to continue this conversation. All right. Well, if you go, if you want to see my show, my show is I Stay do. Humble, Hustle, Hard, Live. And that's also a Facebook page, but it, but I just launched a website called uh, Do You Even Official. So it's uh, we we put little sayings on T-shirts that say Do You Even above it, like Do You Even Lift, Do You Even Business, Do You Even Hustle, things like mm. that. <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun, and we allow people to customize their shirts on there. So you can also go there and find me through that website as well. Okay, that's great. So we're going to go to rapid fire. Uh, we're going to ask really fast questions. We're going to start with Luna, then go to you, and then uh, we're going to alternate. So Andrea and I will ask second. My first question is my go-to question. Uh, Luna, what book or two books changed your life? Uh, two books recently really inspired me. Well, one book that is my go-to book of all time uh, is The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. I'm a real old school, and I love poetry, and I've always said that Everything that you need to know about life is in those pages. And it's beautifully written, too. It's like, oh, it's like honey dripping off your tongue. <laughs> and the second book that I read most recently that really got my creativity fired up was Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, loved her take on the whole creative process. That's really cool. Okay, and Tucker? Yeah. My book that changed my life forever is one no one talks about, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. Mm-hmm. That's, That's a great. good one, too. Yeah. Well, thank you. Andrea? Um, yes, my question for both of you is, is, what is your favorite quote that you live by? Oh, that Luna? was for Luna first. <laughs> yeah, Luna's always first. Go ahead. Um, my mind is the key that sets me free. That is a quote by Houdini. And um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Tucker? 
I hate to do a quote by myself, but this is what I, this is my quote and this is what I live by. And that is, if you can be the spark that lights the way through the darkness for even one person a day, it doesn't matter if your name isn't remembered throughout history, your entire life will be worthwhile. Yeah. And uh, that is beautiful, Tucker. And I'm glad you picked me up. So, uh, last question. Uh, I'm going to, since we just had Thanksgiving recently, uh, Luna, Go ahead and give a yeah. shout out to someone who's changed your life, a mentor, or just tell someone that you love that you love them. Oh yes, my I have to shout out to my sister by heart, uh, who is always there for me to support me in every endeavor in every way. Uh, awesome. Ezra Vidal, I love you, sweetheart. I don't know what Tucker. I would do without you, honey. Good, Tucker. Really quickly, and of we're course going my children. Shows. Of course my children. Right. <laughs> Tucker, go ahead. <laughs> I got to say, uh, Manny Lopez, Eric Swanson, and my Aunt Teresa. Without them, I would not be where I am today. I'm forever grateful for everything that they've done for me, and I love each and every one of them. You're going to be at Cervex? I'm I'm doing my best to be there, man. <laughs> okay, well, but same here. I'm I'm in the I'm on the pathway of it too. So, Luna and Tucker, you guys are just amazing human beings, leaders, and forces of good. I will say that Habitude Warriors coming out to see you guys uh, in action really changed my life, and I'm so glad you could be on uh, the Amplified show. This is brought to you by Big Events USA, Keep Smiling Movement, of course, the Red Carpet Connection. Andre Adams-Miller, thank you so much for being a co-host and bringing on these great, wonderful people. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashad again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard. 